Hello there, you're listening to K is for Kinky, and we're your friendly neighborhood kinksters, Jen and Eden. And today, what are we talking about? How to find a sub. How to find a sub. sandwich. Did you pre-plan that, or was that? <laughs> I did not pre-plan that. that are you just, kidding? It's just <laughs> out of your brain. <laughs> you weren't like me. <laughs> no, that was not planned. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Today, of course, we're being sponsored by Subway. No, I, I wish. I mean, they're a big company. That would be a weird move for Subway to sponsor a kink podcast. I will be real. I I would not expect that from them. Which is the sandwich place that says a sub above? In case you (laughs) haven't figured out since, you know, you've been listening, Miss Jen is really fixated on sub sandwiches. She's hungry, yeah. Um, So. (laughs) Sorry. Are you sorry or are you hungry? Both. All right. But no, today we're not talking about sandwiches. We're talking about people. And we're not just talking about subs. We're talking about S types, right? If you are a top or D type of whatever kind or switch and you want to find an, an S type, then that's what today is about. If you recall with Find Me a Dom, we went over like literally steps on how to find them, but we also talked about the eat your vegetable answer. And so we're going to go ahead and go through some of this again because it kind of applies to both sides, but we're going to do it really really fast are you ready well i was gonna say if you haven't listened to the find me a dom episode like maybe just listen to that one first because yeah there'll probably be some overlap in terms of the the eat your vegetables portion the eat your vegetables answer to this miss jen why don't you explain what that is what's the first big thing that you should do before you go looking for a sub check yourself before you wreck yourself boom work on yourself (laughs) Um, what does this mean, Miss Jen? Well, if you're a top looking for a bottom and we're just talking about play, then checking yourself might include things like knowing your skill set, being honest about your skill set, understanding and, and being practiced in negotiation, in uh, risk assessment, all the, those things. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. That's just for play. I think that's actually something that I really want to touch on with this part of the episode because in the Find Me a, Find Me a Dom, S-types should have certain skills developed or hopefully will develop them. So like S-type skills that are good to have will go over when you're, when you're looking for green flags later in this episode. But D-types, especially if you are also playing with people, you do have this added responsibility of learning skills and knowing your limitations. And you have an added responsibility of knowing your soft skills. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this come up where a D-type has some hard skills, like they can do hands-on play and they're okay with a fucking paddle or something. So they just jump right in and uh, they don't take the time to learn some of the more important and more um, risky things like what can happen if you do mental play or you do power exchange in a scene without discussing it first or without doing aftercare afterwards? What can happen if you don't check in with people um, after the scene? What can happen if you negotiate 
during a scene or when the sub is in subspace, like there are a lot of red flag behaviors that a dom might have because they're negligent or ignorant of the green flag version. I don't know if that makes sense, but D-types are responsible for being safe, not only physically, but also safe emotionally um, and mentally as well. Yeah, and understanding that D-types run a lot of risk as well. So, like, we talk about risk when it comes to S-types a lot of the time, but we don't talk as much about how much risk the D-type is taking. Um, and I just wanted to kind of throw out the first thing that that I do at any party as a D-type, which anybody can do this, no matter what side of the slash, is just making sure you know who the DMs are. Because there's a million scenarios that could happen that could go wrong in a scene that you cannot be prepared for. And you will want to know who to get in that in a case that is where you're in over your head. Yeah. So basically, step one, before you start looking for a sub, make sure that your skills are developed to a degree and that you are aware of your own skill set and make sure that you have learned safe practices. Okay. Once you've done that, we also want to encourage you to be emotionally working on yourself. Um, The self-work that you need to do is the same that an S-type would need to do, right? You need to be able to hold yourself accountable. I would actually argue as well, the D-types should be modeling the best practice if they are looking for a submissive or an S-type to be in any way attached to them or dependent upon them. If you are a D-type and you are seeking to be in a dominant position in a power exchange with somebody, you need to have something to offer and you should be able to model the behavior that you expect from your S-type in your own self. If you can't do that and you aren't ready to lead, you really shouldn't be seeking a leadership position over another human being. So before we get into today's episode, we wanted to go ahead and discuss Distinguished between two different types of D-type or DOM-type, if you will, on the left side of the slash that we're going to be addressing today. We're, of course, going to talk about D-types who are interested in seeking an S-type for power exchange or for some sort of relationship, but we also want to address tops, just looking for a bottom to play with. Those are two different types of left-sider Um, And the burden of responsibility and learned skill is slightly different depending on if you fall as only a top or as only looking for power exchange or as somebody who wants both. Right. Okay. (laughs) So the first thing we want to do is define top from, from, you know, a typical D type. Um, Ms. Jen, what is a top? Um, well, first I just wanted to say that it's okay for people to come into the scene, not wanting power exchange and only wanting to play, um, or people just, you know, learning how to play and just using that like in the bedroom at home or whatever, and not really looking for power exchange. And there's also people who come in only interested in power exchange without play. So these two things can be separate. Often though, we see them together. So That's one reason also that we're kind of separating them out. As far as topping goes, um, you know, topping and bottoming just essentially refers to the person doing the action, right? Whatever it might be. And the bottom is whoever's receiving the action. Um, So it doesn't necessarily refer to power exchange. But we're going to put top under the D-type category. Um, 
And if you want to come in and learn how to top, the first thing you want to make sure is that, you know, you understand the basics, like not even about the play itself, but just understanding the way this community works, understanding the language, um, understanding and maybe figuring out what is the kind of play you're even interested in, um, you know, because it may it might be that you have one you have one thing that you're zeroed in on and you're just going to focus everything on that one thing. Or you may come in like a kid in a candy store and you just want to try all the things. So, um, you know, going to classes, looking at things online, talking to people, figuring out, OK, what is it that I actually want to do when it comes to play? Um, and making sure that you understand the risks and your responsibilities as the top. This all, of course, falls under the category of self-work and self-care, basically. Um, and the burden on a top, in my opinion, and the responsibility on a top, basically begins with scene negotiation. Um, you are responsible during the scene for physical safety, for emotional, mental safety, and psychological safety. And then it also extends into the aftercare portion of whatever you're doing with this person. So checking in, obviously, immediately after, providing aftercare immediately after the scene, and then having a couple of check-ins after to make sure they're okay. That's kind of the extent of what a top is responsible for. That's still quite a bit. But now I want to talk about what a D-type is responsible for in terms of power exchange, which is, you know, a bit different. So let's just speak purely of a D-type as if they are not also a top. Often, D-types are also tops, um, and they're usually incorporating BDSM play into their dynamics, but not always. So we're just going to talk about D-type responsibility for a second. Ms. Jen, I again cede the floor to you. Can you describe uh, what a D-type should be doing if they're looking for power exchange to prepare themselves before they begin the search? <clears throat> Eat your vegetables. Um. All of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to just say make sure your own house is in order and when I say that, I'm not talking about like BDSM houses. I'm talking just about yourself. Um, if you're looking to be in control of another human, <clears throat> you might want to make sure that you're first in control enough of yourself, right? Like, you know, if you're just a hot mess um, <laughs> and have trouble navigating basic life skills or uh or maintaining um day to day beyond survival uh you want to kind of take a look at that take a look at what you have to offer right you also want to figure out what is it that you're looking for i don't think and i'm not trying to say this in a way of oh you can't be a d type if you happen to be out of work right? Like it happens, like life happens, things like this happen, you know, with the pandemic, extra things like this happened. It's more about how are you, you know, you've fallen, cool, everybody falls, how are you getting back up? And just having enough life skill and uh, I don't know, drive, work habits, uh, responsibility, um, do you have enough of that to be able to take care of yourself to the point of then being able to take care of somebody else based on or depending on the level of power exchange that you're looking to negotiate for, right? Did that make sense? Yeah, I thought it made perfect sense. Um, these are two different types of responsibility loads. So if you are a D-type, you are 
basically looking if and you want power exchange so if you are a d type looking for power exchange you are asking to take responsibility in some capacity on some percentage level for the life and well-being of another person now this differs the responsibility load differs depending on how long your power exchange will be in effect and what type of power exchange it is so if it's long distance if it's 24 7 um if it's only in dungeons if it's only on the weekends if it's just contractually for a year, et cetera, there are different levels of power exchange and different percentages of control over someone else. But ultimately, your responsibility is towards this other person to treat them well, to guide them. It, it's a huge thing to take on. Um, yes, it's daunting. If you're not a little daunted as a D-type contemplating the responsibility, you probably don't understand the gravity of it. Yeah, you want to make sure that you have the time and the energy to put into the relationship, whatever that is, even if you're looking at power exchange in the form of, you know, trainer or mentor, you have to make sure that you have the time and energy to do that. What you don't want to do is go into, you know, enter a power exchange and say, okay, yes, this is what we're going to do. And it's all fun and games because we're having fun, you know, making this contract and we're, you know, doing the things. And then, you know, your, your mentee or your, you know, part-time S type or whatever, even if you think it's, oh, it's, it's part-time, so it won't be that bad. And then they're sitting there and they haven't heard from you in two weeks. Well, that's not okay. Right. So making sure that you're at a place where you can give the time that the power exchange requires. Perfect. So we've now talked about the two different types of quote-unquote left-sider that we will be referring to, tops and D-types. Um, now we're going to get into the fun part. So assuming that you've done self-work, you are a responsible human, you have something to offer, you're a leader, assuming all the best things of you, and assuming that you have developed some sort of skill set that you can offer for play, assuming that maybe you want to do both, right? You want to be a D-type and you want to play with your partners, um, you're ready to go. You're ready to search. Now, let's speak only from the top and bottom side for a second. If you are a top, purely a top, and you're just looking for play partners, how do you start? This is a totally valid question that we're going to answer right now. Miss Jen, what's the first thing you would do if you were a new top looking for play partners? Learn how to top. We already went over oh. that. They already know. They already know. Go to classes. Um... But oh, that's a good one. So yeah. where can you find a bottom? Well, at a class. Find a classes, yeah. So if you find classes that are especially specific to the types of play that you're really interested in, um, you will probably find bottoms who are also very interested in that type of play uh, who are at the class. So going to classes, even if you think, oh, I'm pretty good at this thing, it doesn't hurt to continue to go to classes about that thing just because everybody teaches differently. Everybody has different styles, even if you're talking about the same type of play. Um, and so you probably will learn something, but it is, it is also a great way to meet other people who are interested in that kind of play. You also can go to munches, especially ones that are geared towards your play. So like if you're really into spanking, they, I think they have spanko munches. Like I believe Rosie Peaches has a munch and they are heavily devoted to spanking. So that's a great place or something that you can do to go is any sort of munch, but especially ones that are geared towards your type of play. Parties are another great place that you can meet people. Speaking as somebody who is a new top, who is learning topping skills, 
what I did is I, one, did meet somebody at a class. That is how I met my current play partner. Um, but also I was very upfront about what I didn't know and what I was looking to learn. And I developed a friendship with the person who is my play partner um, so that we trust each other, so that we can explore these things together in a way that is safe and um, in a way that feels like it's a good learning opportunity for both of us. We have great scenes together now, but when we started, well, actually it was great from the beginning as well. But the point is, when I started with her, I was really only learning hands-on and I'm starting to uh, be able to expand what I'm doing because of her feedback and because we have this friendship where we can communicate. So I advise if you're a newer top, sticking with people that you can build relationships with and friendships with so that um, you're able to get the feedback that you need, as opposed to if you're a newer top, doing a bunch of pickup play. Because here's why. If you're a new top and you're doing a bunch of pickup play, which by the way, it mean, that means you're going to a dungeon and you're playing with people that you just meet right there. Usually. If you do pickup play as your form of getting experience, let's say that you are really good at spanking, but you also tend to spank too close or get too close to the genital area and you don't know that it's not intentional but you're actually misstriking and sometimes you're landing near the genitals or something like that and you don't know you're doing that and you haven't been told yet and you have played with five people over the course of the last two months and all of them had the same experience of that with you and three out of those five felt it was intentional and are accusing you of touching them inappropriately or of misstriking and not being a safe player. Suddenly, you're brand new, and you have a mistake you could learn about, but because you spread it out across five different people and you didn't learn that skill from somebody who has good communication with you, who you can trust, now you have a reputation built up about you that honestly is more a reflection of your newness and your negligence than it is any sort of maliciousness. But that's now your reputation. I, I strongly advise any new top to consider that and to consider where they are at before they do pick up play. Oftentimes, once you've, you know, create at least a friendship and start playing with one person, and if you maintain consistency, positive talk happens too, right? So other people will either see you play or hear about that you're great at this particular thing. Um, and that's, you know, another way that people will find other types or bottoms to play with so the big thing is if you're a top looking for a bottom and you're newer um or you don't have many partners yet focus on people that you can build relationships with because yeah they talk they give you the, the deets if you make a mistake and you can fix it right there with them and learn and they usually will give you the benefit of the doubt especially if you said you're learning right so it's the best possible learning environment with the least possible problem in terms of somebody you know spreading rumors about you or treating you badly because you made a mistake, right? And on the positive side, they'll tell you what you're good at and you can get better at it. It's fucking awesome. And then you can also build friendships from that. That's what we strongly recommend if you're a top looking for a bottom. Um, if you're an experienced top looking for bottoms and you have all the skill sets and you don't need to learn how and you're able to offer things and you're very confident that you're not going to be making like the same mistake with 10 people, right? Because, you know, that's called a pattern. Um... You can do pickup play if you want to. Um, make sure your negotiation is pretty fucking strong, but you can do pickup play, and that's a great way to meet people as well. Yeah, if you're not new, 
but you're having trouble finding people to play with, double check yourself and make sure it's not because you're being douchey. Because (laughs) it could be that you are having bad practices that are getting around in terms of people talking. Um, So if you're having trouble and you've been around a while, your skill set is on on point, you know, maybe take inventory. Um, And I was going to do a plug really quick because if you are a newer top, there's this party that I run called the Club Awakening. And there are practice bottoms who are experienced who are there literally to give you a newer top feedback. Yeah. Um, So it's also a great way if you don't if you don't yet have any close friends or or that you trust enough to ask to play maybe you're shy about that whatever um it's a place you know the reason i made it is for people to be able to come and practice skills especially for newer tops and to practice them on experienced bottoms whose job it is to give you feedback what is this an advertisement i think i just stumbled upon it in the middle of the podcast Kick, kick. Yep, that's an advertisement, and it's still moving. Let's go ahead and address what it is. We have an awesome newsletter. We have a newsletter. And it comes out once a month around the 15th of every month. The 15th. And it not only has information, it also has pictures. Pictures. Of us, of the cats, of us. Us, us, us. (laughs) And links to all the things. So if you want all of us in one happy bundle... There you go. The newsletter. Can you do a sound at the end at least? <laughs> that was your sound for the newsletter? <laughs> I said do a sound. You make a fart sound? <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> Let's move on from tops so to D-types now. We've talked about tops. D-types, assuming all the best things of you, assuming you've done all your self-work and assuming you are good to go, where on earth do you find submissives? Or people who are on the right side slash right-siders, right? who are looking for a dynamic first you listen to a how to to our how to be a creeper episode and don't do that yes (laughs) do the opposite of the creeper episode is the step one um step two is very similar to topping but it's um a little more specific than that if you're looking for a dynamic it can be hard when you just go to a munch or a party to tell who is also looking for that. However, there are a couple types of unique support groups and spaces that are geared towards dynamics, and that's actually where we would point you. So um, there is MAST, right? Masters and slaves together. Together. Um, You do not have to be a master. You do not have to be a slave to go to MAST, by the way. You can just be interested in DS of any type. But um, MAST is a really cool, long-standing, widespread support group for people who are in power exchange. Um, You can also go to anything to do with high protocol, even if it's not your cup of tea, because typically you'll find people who like dynamics and high protocol. Um, I would consider... Is that another plug? (laughs) Well, we happen to have the high protocol revival project. We happen to run a high protocol group, so I guess it is another plug. Um, But I would advise going to classes and going to support groups that are geared towards people who are interested in dynamics or that talk about how to maintain a dynamic. Other things that you might find valuable that you may meet other like-minded people at would be like classes about how to make a contract or classes about punishments versus discipline. Like these are keywords that come up when you're looking at a relationship DS style. Um, Well, and honestly, just 
we probably talked about this in the other episode, but just continuing to go to social events of any kind, make connections, make friends, meet people, and see if certain of those develop into something that you're interested in a power exchange with. Yeah. Right? Um, I have found it less common to meet somebody who is only looking for power exchange and who doesn't also want play. Um, while that's totally valid and it does happen, um, I'm going to go ahead and make a little bit of assumption that many people listening are looking for both power exchange and play. And my advice would be to play with somebody first and to date them first and to get to know them a little bit uh, before you start talking about doing power exchange with them. That'd be my advice to you because um, sometimes when you're playing with somebody, even if you incorporate temporary elements of power exchange into that, you can get a feel immediately about whether or not you like that vibe. It's almost like a taste test. So I would definitely um, try out consensually incorporating elements of DS into, or power exchange rather, into your play first before considering uh, entering a dynamic. Um, Sorry, I'm laughing because you said taste test and we're talking about relationships, so my head went to cannibalism. (laughs) We're talking about relationships, so my head went to cannibalism. Well, you said taste test. I mean, I love you. Your mind works in mysterious and <laughs> sometimes terrifying ways. Um, so we've now talked about where to find people. I want to talk about where I suggest you do not find people, although it is possible that you could do this and you could be successful. But I would not advise uh, trolling fet life for potential submissives. It is possible that could go well for you. I'm not telling you you can't find someone online. I am telling you that you are highly likely to either come off as creepy or um, you are likely to just find creepy people. Like online is basically a very creepy place to be. Um, you know, you could be successful. However, with that being said. Also, FetLife is not built as a dating site. That's mm-hmm. not what it's meant it's for. It's not meant for that. But um, people use it that way anyways. However, I have heard that actual dating sites successfully match people. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for you if you're looking for a specific type of dynamic, a power exchange, for you to go on a dating site that allows you to either directly advertise that or to code for that. Because we actually know a couple of people who have successfully managed to find um, dynamics through, through online dating. Yeah, just be careful because you have a very high mix of legit community people who are actively involved and like understand this shit mixed in with a lot of wannabe like based on fantasy kind of stuff and they don't really understand how this all works you know if you go on there and you know you're like oh hey you look nice um and they come back and they're like oh hey daddy ah um (laughs) You know, if they if they start doing things that that you kind of understand once you've been in the scene for a bit are not exactly okay, like using honorifics without permission or at least without consent, um, you know, that kind of stuff can be I know we haven't gotten quite to the flag stuff, but that can be a red flag of like, okay, online is a whole mixed bag of people. Yeah, so we advise that you definitely try to take your search for a submissive in person. 
to dungeons by looking at classes, support groups, and munches. Um, but Miss Jen has perfectly segued us into the next part of this episode, which is the green flag, red flag combination. So we're going to go ahead and do this. Um, let's address specifically the looking for bo- green flags, red flags in bottoms, not in power exchange, but in bottoms. Okay. <clears throat> Um, we're going to start with that and then we will go on to talk about green flags and red flags for submissives or S types of any sort who are looking for power exchange. Okay. I'll do one and then you do one. Does that sound good? Well, ping pong. A green flag for a bottom is that they are already aware of what negotiation is and they have questions of their own. I love that green flag. Um, it's fucking fantastic because it means that they have experience and they know their own boundaries and they might know their own interests. Um, I personally will not play with a bottom who has not been to classes and who has not learned even just basic information about themselves because I do not want them discovering through me what they don't like. Um, I also don't want a bottom to rely on me to lead negotiation because even though I can and I want to lead it, I want them to know that they can lead too. Um, I don't want them to ever be taken advantage of by me or anyone else. And so for me as a top, I want to set the standard for any bottom I encounter that they need to have a certain amount of self-awareness and self-protection and that I won't enable them to move forward, at least with me, until that's there. So that's a green flag when an S-type already understands negotiation to a degree and knows enough about themselves to give you important feedback and has their own questions for you. The red flag version is an S-type who has no idea what negotiation is or how to lead it. And they have Um, no limits. And they have no limits. (laughs) They have no limits. They don't know what they like. They don't know what they dislike. Green flag would be being honest about that, which is great. But for me, that's a deal breaker personally. Um, And it's not a deal breaker permanently. It's, hey, no problem. Go to some classes and do this amount of work on yourself and then come talk to me and we can figure this out. Like, that's how I would handle that. But I love the green flag of an S-type knowing enough about themselves to understand negotiation. Green flags and red flags tend to be, most of them tend to be personal. Not There's not there's only a handful that are universal, by the way. Um, so, like, this is a green flag that has, <laughs> I was going to say, 50 shades of green. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot imagine this is green now because you just... Well, now I was going to talk about um, play experience. So I think that, you know, the more play experience someone has, the greener the flag in the sense that, you know, as a as a top, you have more to work with. They understand themselves better. They have more experience to pull from. You can talk about things like, you know, what was a negative play experience that you had and how was that handled? What was what are some of your most positive play experiences? Right. So the more experience they have, the more information you can pull from. But I also don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's only a green flag if you have experience playing, because how do you get experience playing? You have to start somewhere. Right. So it's not necessarily a red flag if somebody doesn't have any experience. Um because they have to get it somewhere. And, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, yes, we have we have parties that are meant for getting some experience like that. But not every place does. Right. And so it, experience comes from one on one play typically or finding people to play with. And so if I'm topping and I'm looking at playing with somebody who does not have experience with play, 
it's not necessarily a red flag. Um, do I want them to go to classes and, and research stuff and learn things? Yes, of course. But I'm also not going to shun them <laughs> because they don't have any experience. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there are tops out there and I'll include myself who I think that I can be a responsible top with somebody who hasn't played before um, and take them through very slowly to, you know, gain that experience. I'm not, this is not an advertisement. I'm not, I'm not, this is not my way of looking for a bottom. No, but I'm saying like there are tops out there, especially who do have experience and who are not douches who can play with a newer player and give them positive experiences. Um, So, yeah, I just don't want to make that like a, you have to have experience, but how do you get experience? On the heels of that, if an S-type does not have experience, I think it's a green flag for them to not only tell you that, but then to also explain to you that they'd like to get experience not only with you, but that they plan to play with other people. I think it's a green flag to see an S-type who is interested in multiple types of experiences beyond you um i know there are some d types who might be like no i want to be the one to do the but to me that makes you a red flag d bag um you should want your s type or your bottom to have as much experience as necessary to find out what they like bottoms should want that for themselves so i think it's a green flag if you see a bottom who is new and who is seeking multiple tops so that they can broaden their experience i think a red flag would be if you meet a bottom for the first time as a top and they glom onto you and won't play with anybody else and uh, are scared of playing with anybody else or resistant to playing with anybody else. And if they are pushing a dynamic immediately or pushing for more with you and you are just trying to give them experience once, like that would be a red flag version of, of this thing. Yeah, that's like something I tell all my volunteers is if a, if a brand new bottom S-type contacts you after going to your booth or playing with you at a party don't take advantage of that like even if they're like but now I'm in love with you because that happened that shit happens I've seen that happen I've seen bottoms play with a top once and they're like I love you like there, there's <laughs> there's hormones and chemicals that are being released and it can really really affect people so I don't want to I don't want to like forget about that. Um, so it is good as a top to remind that bottom. Hey, like, thank you for the ego stroke. That's great that you had such a fantastic experience with me. And here's some other ways to get more experiences with other people. Yeah. Right. So it's I just want to put that out there because, you know, if if you're meeting a brand new bottom who's like. I love you now and I want to be in your collar and to be with you forever. Um, (laughs) It's not that they're necessarily a red flag unless they keep pushing it. Right. Um, But it may, they might need redirection. So, so it's a red flag from a bottom if they are trying to escalate things with you too quickly. So it's a little bit of a red flag. If you have, for instance, only played once and they want to add you on Fed as their top. That's a little bit of a red flag. It doesn't necessarily, again, have to be a bad thing because possibly the bottom just doesn't know that that's kind of odd. Um, And you can always set your own boundaries. But um, pushing for things like that 
or calling you their top after you played only once with them, uh, basically insinuating that there is a relationship when you've only played once and haven't agreed to any sort of relationship yet. That's not that's not good behavior. That's a that's not really the best. That's definitely a red flag and a bottom. I mentioned earlier that it's a green flag if a bottom shows interest in playing with multiple tops and that you should certainly encourage this, especially if the bottom is new. Um, it's a green flag as well if a bottom is encouraging you to play with other bottoms and is not being possessive over you. The red flag of this that you would want to watch out for is a bottom who is basically jealous when you play with other people, who without any communication or any indication that you are exclusive with them, has a problem with you um, playing with more than one person a night, has a problem with you um, having an active play life outside of them. That is a really big red flag. And I heavily advise that you talk and are open with any play partners you have or anybody that you're playing with, um, especially a new bottom, talk with them about, hey, are you okay with me playing with two people back to back? Or hey, just so you know, I have many, I play with lots of people and I'm really looking forward to playing with you, but this is not exclusive. Make it, like you can always communicate that, but it should not be a point of contention. You should not be getting a, a, a lot of jealousy from a bottom. Um, unless, of course, you are monogamous with that bottom and then you're cheating. But um, <laughs> we're assuming that's not the case in, yeah. in this episode. Um, do you have any other green or red flags? I have, I have more, of course, but I always have more. I was focused on refilling my water. Um, why don't you do one more? It is a really big red flag if you meet a bottom who only really has negative things to say about other tops they play. That's what with. I was just gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Go well, go ahead and take it. No, you take it because I talked a little bit. Go ahead. Oh. Um, yeah. So we talked about this in the vetting episode as far as uh, asking a potential partner about their ex-relationships or their former relationships and it can be a red flag if like all they have to say is negative shit about everybody they've ever been with um it's not to say that there's going to be one or two bad apples in the bunch but this could be applied here in terms of you know if if an if a bottom has had you know 10 people that they've played with and every single one of them resulted in a consent violation or they're complaining about how horrible they were um that might be a red flag because unless they just really choose the most horrible people to play with um I have to start to wonder why there's a pattern there that is so strong now obviously they might have you know one or two situations that are are even horrendous um, but if they also have a balance of people that they've played with um, that are very positive, then that's something to, to keep into account. I would say the only exception to this would be if somebody has only had one interaction, like they have only played with one person and it was like a relationship and that relationship was like bad or abusive. And then they tell you, I've really only had one bad interaction. Like there's no way for them to really necessarily balance that if they're just getting back out there. But what we're looking for to keep an eye on is somebody who has a pattern of speaking poorly and having bad interactions with a bunch of tops. I would definitely also see it as a red flag if a bottom is unwilling to give you names of tops that they've played with or if they have no active tops at that time but they've been in the scene for a while. It's not a guarantee that this this is a red flag in terms of like maybe there's an explanation but there is also a possibility that something's going on there. Um, I kind of also 
honestly wanted to add one more thing and I, I I'm I hesitate to bring this up but I actually think it's very important um to me it's a red flag if a bottom uh cancels or breaks agreements um without reasonable justification for doing so with you reasonable justification for doing so with you was the sentence but that's not what came out of my mouth um i know i'm heckling myself right now but i swear sometimes in editing i listen and i'm just cannot believe the non-words that almost come out of my mouth if a bottom doesn't respect your time or doesn't respect your, your space your boundaries or your needs and they're only really thinking about their boundaries, their needs, et cetera. And they're only really thinking from the bottom side. And they don't perceive that you as the top have your own needs and your own boundaries. And they, they struggle to respect that. That is a red flag. Um, and I think that there is a mindset out there, especially if bottoms are really only exposed to conversations surrounding their well-being. There is a conversation or there's a mindset out there that you know, the top always has to bend and provide every single need for the bottom at the bottom doesn't owe the top that same consideration. Um, you as a top do have a right to have your time and your needs and your boundaries respected. And if they aren't, or if you feel like something's going on, that's not right, or that doesn't make you feel good, you have a right to disengage. Um, and I, I do feel like that is uh, the, the green flag of that would be somebody who understands your time is valuable. Somebody who shows up when they say they will, unless they have a very good excuse not to be there. And also somebody who communicates clearly um, with you and who who you're able to explain, like, you know, your needs and you're able to respect their needs as well. So I have some more green flags. Oh, more for tops and bottoms. Okay, good for bottoms. Green flag. If a bottom uses their safe word. Now, I'm not saying it's essential that the bottom uses a safe word because maybe they didn't need to. But if the bottom uses a safe word, it tells me as the top, guess what? They're willing to use a safe word. <laughs> and that that tells me that I can trust them to essentially reverse their consent, right? To, to use a safe word. I can trust them to communicate with me in the scene that they will let me know if something is too much or whatever. Um so that would be another green flag that is awesome. And the other green flag I thought of was if a bottom, and again, this isn't like mandatory, but it's a green flag, like, oh, yay. If a bottom is asking about um, without having to be prompted, especially it's like extra, extra brownie points about what you as the top need for aftercare yeah. or... Um, I love that. Or, you know, if there's any special things that your top enjoys before or after a scene, um, you know, if if they have like a special, you know, treat or something that, you know, yeah, they can bring it themselves and they might. But if a bottom like does that just because that's really sweet. And that's that's showing that like. They're thinking about the top and the top's needs as well. That's and, a keeper. That's a keeper. Yeah. That's really sweet. I love that. So we just talked about a lot of green flags and red flags for bottoms. Let's go ahead and talk now about submissive specifically. Um, some of these, well, not some of them, basically all of them can apply to submissives, especially we'll just if... add to them. <laughs> yeah, especially if the submissive is also your bottom, right? Yeah. But I want to talk more from the DS side. Um, and before we begin, I want to say something. We all have to enter DS and experience at some point because none of us for the most part were raised in a DS culture 
Okay. So what I mean by that is at some point in your career, you are going to be a new top. You're going to be a new D type. You're going to be a new bottom. You're going to be a new submissive. And the only way to start power exchange is to start and learn. I was going to say, most of us have experience before getting into the community power exchange. It's just not usually consensual, like your boss (laughs) or your parents. Now, this doesn't mean, as we said, you can't and shouldn't be doing research and self-work. But what I mean to say is there are just things that you're going to learn on the job, basically. And your bottom is the same. So we are not going to suggest that just because your submissive is new to power exchange, that's a red flag because it's not. In the same way that just because you are new to power exchange, if you are a new dominant, it's not a red flag. It's important to know that you're new to communicate that and to do as much research as possible to help yourself. But you should expect growing pains. And um, it's okay that you both don't perform at optimum capacity in the new thing that you're doing, okay? But let's still talk about some green and red flags for a submissive. I think the first big green flag that I would want to bring up is that the submissive that you're considering or the S-type, but I'm going to use the word submissive right now as an umbrella, okay? The submissive asks you, what are you looking for and what type of help do you need in your life? They ask you what you need and then they tell you if they can offer it. They don't, the red flag would be telling you what they want to do and refusing to do anything outside of that scope. Um, Now, this is an interesting nuance because there is something to be said for a bottom knowing what they have to offer and and speaking their limitations, but a submissive green flag is them actually being willing to hear what your need is Um, because it's a really frustrating thing, at least so I've heard, for a D-type to get a submissive petitioning, for instance, like, oh, I really want to give you a foot massage, and it's like, yeah, but what I really actually need help with is for someone to come over and walk my dog once every once every two weeks. And I'm okay with the foot massage, but I really need help with this. Can you help me with this? Um, you clearly are able to come to my house because you can drive to give me a foot massage. Can you drive to walk my dog for 20 minutes? And for the person to be like, well, no, I'm not into walking dogs. I, I mean, I'm not allergic or anything. I just don't like dogs or I don't want to, but I want to rub your feet. Like if you're only, if the submissive is only interested in getting their fetish met and they're not interested in helping you, that's a red flag. Yeah, this goes back to something that I have said actually to my kids for like their whole life, which is if you offer to help somebody, you are helping them by doing what they say is helpful for them, not what you deem is helpful for them. So it's it's that same line of like, or that same concept in terms of, um, you know, there's so many D types that just end up feeling like kink dispensers. And that's one reason is that, you know, you find somebody that, that they're like, Oh yeah, no, I would love to clean your house. Um, but my, my, uh, requirements is the S type talking. My requirements is that I'm able to dress in, uh, nothing but an apron and, uh, I afterwards I get to I don't know lick your toes whatever um (laughs) you talked about feet so um why'd you have to say lick uh, your toes (laughs) whatever it is foot worship (laughs) but here's here's the thing like if you have 
other people that live with you or you have windows and neighbors that you don't want to like create a cave house while they're walking around writing back i have windows and that's the only <laughs> well, answer you give <laughs> well you know what i mean like if you don't want to have to close up your house to have it cleaned and it's like no like i need you to come over clean your house not as a scene but as service and in that sense you know i would want you you could wear an apron over your clothes, but I want you to wear some comfortable clothes that you can bend. You can get on all fours. Ah. What is happening to there you? There was a little spider on me. Okay. <clears throat> I'm fine. Are you though? Do you need a moment? She needs a moment. <laughs> I want to say it really fast here. This almost sounds like we're saying that the D type has a right to demand whatever they want and the S type can't make adjustments. And that's not what we're saying. No. We're saying that the S type if they're offering help, should be willing to offer the help that you need, as Miss Jen says to her children. And it doesn't mean that you have no obligation to give the S-type something in return at some point. Like, you know, you say, hey, I hear that your fetish is to dress up in the thing and do foot worship. So for this time, I need you to come over and do my house, but I would love to arrange a scene with you afterwards, if that's okay with you. You can still give the S-type something they want and also say, I like this service, um, if they offered to help, that makes sense. There is a balance yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think that's a really great green and red flag for um, for for S types for submissives. Um, another green flag for a submissive. Obey. Whoa! What is wrong with you? Get out of here! Who are you? Obey. Do you have something to say? Because that that word I did. just came I just out said of it. That's not. Is that even a green flag? That's just you giving the <laughs> listeners a command. All right. My, I'm about to talking to the listener. Okay. Who, else, who else is hearing it? The world. I don't know. Am I hearing it? Is that for um, me? Do I obey? Um, oh, I have to pee, though. Hold on. I do, I too. Well, I have no, to, let's just, let's just, just pause. pee. Let's just pause. Pee. Pee break. I think in case okay. we're keeping that pee break, we're back from going to the bathroom. <laughs> um, I was going to say. I'm taking a quick uh, kitty cat. Yeah, Bef- Pet break. before Miss Jen did her subliminal obey message, <laughs> I was gonna say I something. Actually, meant something by that, but go ahead. No, no, why don't you go? Go ahead, you, you, you take it. <laughs> I well, and this is again a lot of these green flags are going to be personal, but um, I would say a green flag is in a in an S type is the desire to serve, the desire to surrender and I use that word it's a little bit heavier of a word and I'm talking more in terms of like um long-term kind of stuff because yeah, we're talking about building a dynamic right now yeah so this is a valid- yeah um even if you know in the beginning they're not perfect at it or maybe they are maybe it is a first-time dynamic for them or whatever um but for there to be a a willingness to to be the best they can be it sounds like a military advertisement. But my point is just the willingness to serve if that's, uh, you know, a focus of your dynamic, but always striving to be the best S-type they can be, I guess, in whatever way you've negotiated the dynamic to be. Yeah. I'm trying to make it more generalized. That's good. Um, obviously, the red flag of that would be somebody who says they want to be in a dynamic and says they want to be your submissive, but is actually unwilling to let you lead and is not working on or striving towards submission in any way. 
Um, if you're encountering somebody who is just pure resistance or who, you know, is disrespectful to the degree where they say, well, that's not what I said, or I don't want that anymore, or who is changing the terms of what you agreed upon and is not trying to find middle ground and not looking at their own behavior. Um, those, those are red flags. And I'm really sad to say that I feel like that can happen a lot where somebody thinks they want to be a submissive and not maliciously, they just find that it's not what they Reality need. kicks in. Yeah, or or maybe you're not the right D-type for them, which can yeah. happen. But regardless of the reason, it, it can be the, the end of a dynamic. So um, speaking as somebody who very much has always wanted to surrender and submit, but who has had different types of struggles and different levels of self-awareness over time, it's important that the S-type can do self-reflection and is willing to look at that, willing to hear your needs, and um, that you're willing to work together collaboratively. Uh, so those are the green flag and red flags of that particular piece. Um, I think another green flag is ability or willingness to communicate when when there's, uh, you know, either dissatisfaction with something or what have you, which is why it's important to have something in place where there can be plain speak, if you will, um, you know, a way for the S-type to communicate to you like, hey, you know, we entered into this and... And, you know, I thought it'd be this way, but I'm finding that I'm not getting X, Y, and Z. And so I wanted to work on that with you, you know, whatever it might be, but that willingness to communicate those things very similar to, to, uh, an S or to a bottom, uh, saying a safe word, right. They're communicating that something is not quite right. Same way for, for an S type to communicate their dissatisfaction with something, or concern over something, or what have you, um, is a major green flag. I love that. Um, another green green flag in my head is a, a vocal and an outspoken submissive. I think that's a positive thing. I think it's a very green flag to see somebody who is able to speak up for themselves and who is um, strong in their mind about who they are and what they want. Um, this can also come with you know difficulties depending on where they are at in their self-growth. But instead of seeing a vocal or a self-aware submissive who is, you know, capable of functioning as hard to manage, you should see this as somebody who knows what they want and they want you or they're choosing you. Um, you should take pride in, in a submissive who can speak up for themselves and who knows their own mind. I think the red flag would be somebody who never speaks, doesn't know what they want, says they don't have preferences, um, refuses to communicate about really any which way, and basically says I'm the ultimate X, Y, and Z, and everything I want is what you want. That's, to me, a very red flag. I, I don't find that to be healthy. It's similar to the bottom that says I have no limits, right? Yeah. And the other part of it, too, is that as a D-type, I can't make decisions if I don't have all the information, Right. So it's not fair if I make a decision based on the information I have. And then the S type is like, I'm really mad at you for making this decision because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but you didn't tell me blah, blah, blah. Right. So making sure that there's sort of this always available line of communication where the S type can can give information and does give information to the D type that they might need. Yeah. And by the way, we're not coming down on people who are naturally shy because a shy person or somebody who is looking forward to not having to like make a bunch of decisions, that person still should know what their own preferences are or have a sense of themselves. 
they may tell you, hey, my ultimate goal is for you to make these calls and I really would like to be in a situation where my needs are known, but they're not always the first thing that comes to mind. Like they're not always the first choice. Um, that can be negotiated safely, but that's still an S-type communicating their needs and wants to you up front. That's still somebody who knows themselves. The The red flag is somebody who basically says that they don't know themselves, they don't want to, they have nothing to give you in that regard, they just expect you to make all the decisions. Um, and I also, by the way, personally find it red flaggy in a D-type to seek somebody who is not strong-voiced. Um, because I feel like D-types who do that are looking for potential victims, that's literally, I see it as a potential trait of an abuser. So I would heavily advise um, keeping an eye on something like this. And if you do meet an S-type whose self-esteem is very low or whose voice is very quiet, you can help grow that. That's a choice you could make as a D-type to say, okay, this is a little worrisome to me, but I see the value in this person. I'm going to see if I can encourage them to speak and make space for them. Because at the very least, even if you're not in a dynamic with them and you just stay friends with them, you can make their life better. You know, and I think it's important to note that some of these red flags are mentioning, they, these red flags could go up for somebody who's simply at a stage in their life where they haven't grown that muscle yet. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that they are struggling with that lesson or they haven't had an opportunity to safely explore it yet. You could provide that. But to me, you need to be able to notice that that's something that's not healthy to be able to help it. And if they're not comfortable speaking their mind, if you will, writing, journaling, I mean, there's so many, so many um, power exchange dynamics that use journals, like not public journals to the public, but like shared journals, if you will, um, as a way of communicating as well. Um, but I have a related green flag Ooh. to that, which is, and it might sound counterintuitive to some people, <clears throat> but it's self-sufficiency and for me as a d-type i want to know that my s-type even if we have negotiated that i am going that we have total power exchange and i'm going to make all the decisions for them from what they wear to where or if they work to what position they sleep in i don't know um <laughs> i want to know that if need be whether it's because the relationship ends, whether it's because I get sick or croak, that my S-type has the ability to be self-sufficient, to live as a human, to support themselves, to understand paying bills, you know, to do basic life skills. And they may have come to you with that. Fantastic. If not, making sure that they have that within the relationship, at the very least, the knowledge of how to move forward in that way. I've seen dynamics where regardless of whether that's the case or not, things that are unexpected happen. Either, I mean, we all see dynamics end. That happens just like any other relationship out there. Um, but I have also seen dynamics where the D-type has had a severe, you know, medical issue that causes them, you know, permanent disabilities of, of different kinds or has died. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, I would say a green flag is an S type who is self-sufficient and who understands if they need to be at the very least, and maybe they are, but even like I said, if you have total power exchange that if need be, they know how to survive this world. Yeah. And again, um, it's not wrong to select an S type or to find an S type 
who doesn't have that ability yet, it is wrong to stop them from getting that ability or to discourage them from wanting that ability. Um, so hopefully you're, you're picking an S type or you're meeting S types who have a desire to be self-sufficient as well. And if they don't, they're willing to learn. Um, I really can't believe we haven't said this one yet. And I guess I haven't said it yet because I kind of think it's, it's, it shouldn't have to be said, but I'm going to say it because it is the biggest quality that I look for in any person, but especially in partners in bottoms. And if I ever was going to do power exchange where I was a, I was a D type, um, I would look for this above everything else, integrity. So what I mean by integrity is essentially these three words, trust, honor, and respect. Even Um, when you're not looking. Even when you're not looking, yeah. Um, And we actually, these are part, trust, honor, respect, and integrity uh, interwoven with consent is the actual foundation and the pillars of our high protocol revival group. But trust, honor, and respect are also the pillars of the leather community. And in a relationship with anybody, but especially in DS, I feel like without trust, honor, respect, and just possessing integrity in general, you are very much in danger as the dominant. Very much are you in danger of not um not not knowing what's going on or of being made a fool of if you're if you're submissive or your s type doesn't have these qualities so what do i mean by trust trust means being trustworthy a trustworthy person is reliable honest and has the ability and strength to keep their word consistently upholding agreements they make and keeping the confidence of those who have placed trust in them to protect their private thoughts and their identities Somebody who is trustworthy acknowledges when they make mistakes and is forthcoming and transparent about their own missteps. This is literally word for word from our manual. Um, I wrote it myself and pulled this definition from dictionary.com and added pieces of it to, to, of my own. I really strongly believe that being trustworthy is like one of the most important aspects of, of having integrity. And I'll tell you right now, um, as somebody in a 24-7, there are things that my dominant and I share together that we don't share with anyone else. And if my dominant didn't know that what she said ended with me, it would destroy our dynamic. My dominant needs to be able to talk to me because I think I'm one of the only people in her life she can talk to. And that's, I feel how it should be in 24-7. There should be a sacredness to that. And if your submissive is somebody that you can't trust or who won't admit when they make a mistake, that's a serious problem. Um, Honor... Um, basically refers to a person who adheres to agreed upon codes of ethical and moral conduct. They try to do the right thing even when they stand to gain from doing the wrong thing. Furthermore, an honorable person does not take advantage of their position to extort or to manipulate others. They act with good intentions and hold themselves and their peers accountable for their behavior. This is a really big deal. Like an honorable submissive will hold themselves and you accountable and an honorable submissive is going to try their best to always benefit you and your dynamic, over-benefiting just themselves. Um, finally, from a respect standpoint, a respectful person demonstrates kindness towards other people and regards their identity, cultures, traditions, rights, and feelings as worthy of being protected and upheld. A respectful person does not ridicule others who are different from them, even if they have opposing beliefs or ways of life. Additionally, a respectful person is civil and courteous, whether they are above or below someone in station. I feel like when this, as far as this applies to a submissive, being respectful to you is a big deal. And I feel like respect is out of trust and honor. Respect is the easiest one to mess up on and also the easiest one to learn. 
being respectful is something you develop over time and you learn over time. I guess I suppose the same is true of being trustworthy and, and honorable, but all three of these things combine to make somebody um, a person of integrity. And I demand integrity from people I am close with. If somebody is not able to have integrity uh, or to demonstrate these traits um, consistently, then they're not somebody that I personally am able to rely upon. You know, that's a big thing. The consistency piece. <clears throat> the consistency piece here is very big as well, because if a submissive is not consistent, either they don't follow your rules consistently, they're not consistently telling you when they don't follow the rules. If, if you are inconsistent with them, a lack of consistency completely erodes and destroys DS and power exchange. So you need a submissive who is consistent with you as well. And who, when they say they're going to do something, they do it. If they say they're going to be there, they're there. And the only reason they don't or they fail to do something is because they have a very good reason not to have done it. Yeah, oftentimes the D-type is relying on the S-type to do certain things, certain tasks or what have you. Um, and if they can't depend on that, it's kind of like, well, what's the point, right? I might as well just do it. And then what does that do to the to the dynamic? Um, same thing with the trust and integrity. Like, you know, I can trust somebody to tell them all of my innermost horrible secrets. Um, <laughs> but, and they can tell me, oh yeah, this is just between us. But if I find out like they've actually also told somebody else who they trust, that's breaking my trust, right? So, um, yeah, all of those are really, really important for sure. Yeah. Which, honestly, I think they're important for any relationship, but so much of what we're talking about can also be any relationship. But, I feel like yeah. DS, specifically in power exchange, demands high integrity, and you start to see power exchange suffering when one or both partners are not demonstrating good integrity. And demonstrating good integrity does allow for mistakes to be made. So, like, you can fuck up all of these things. As long as you admit, I fucked up, and you take these steps to fix the fuck up, you're still demonstrating integrity, and you're rebuilding your integrity. Um, well, so, like, I was just going to add to that, like, even things that, like, you're really good about almost um uh manically obsessively uh, manically obsessively confessing like when you've not done something correctly or not done something you were supposed to do and the fact that you do that help <clears throat> helps me trust that you're doing it the other times because otherwise I'm sitting there going well I don't know if she's actually doing it right like there's things that you could be quote unquote getting away with and I might not know. I might eventually know, but I might not know unless I trust you to tell me. By the way, I didn't drink all my water yesterday. I'm really sorry. I only actually got up through like two and a half cups instead of four and a half or five. So I probably need a blue heart for that. Mm. I just forgot until just now. Um, <laughs> until I was talking about it. Until you're talking about honesty. It's like, oh, that's right. I forgot to do the thing. Um, this is another thing that actually I'll bring up as our little last one. And I think it's a good green flag. And it's also an important green flag if you're looking at creating a long-term dynamic with an S-type. Um you want to find an S-type who is a reasonable person who understands you're human. Um, so, for instance, I could be angry because my dominant doesn't pay attention to how much water I drink. Or I could be angry that my dominant doesn't know when I do or don't complete certain tasks. But instead of being angry or, you know, fussy about it or blaming her, in fact, I look at the situation and I go, 
my dominant is responsible for, in our case, financially supporting us. My dominant is responsible for taking care of the kids even when they're not here. She's a full-time parent. My dominant is responsible for literally a huge portion of our, um, what is it called, executive functioning in our life. And oh, she's also worried about dinner. <laughs> she's worried about ourself, about herself, and a million other things. I'm supposed to drink my water. It's my responsibility to do it. If I don't do it, even if she doesn't notice, I do know. It's my job to report to her. And when very rarely will I ever sit down and talk with her and say, hey, I really need you to pay more attention to this because I feel like you're not giving it enough attention. For the most part, I recognize that I'm able to pay attention myself and that I'm like an external memory drive for her. My dominant has poor memory. It's not personal. And it's not her failing. It's an accommodation she needs that I can, I can, I can give because I have a better memory. Like this is a reasonable way to treat your dominant. It's a well, loving way. I was going to say, even if there's no memory issues, um, the one of, to me at least, one of the main cornerstones of submission is making your dominance life easier, <laughs> right? Like it shouldn't make it harder. Um, and so part of that is the dominant being able to trust that, okay, these are the things, you know, you're responsible for. And if I notice something great, but also you are responsible for it, you need to make sure it happens and, or let me know if it can't or doesn't, etc. because otherwise then I have to focus not only on all the things that you listed, finances, kids, dinner, whatever, but I also, have to stay on top of, you know, every, you know, did you drink all your water today? Did you do this task? Did you do this task? Did you do that task? Did you uh, wash your hands after you peed? Like I, (laughs) part of it is, I don't know to do that, but you know, it's, it's supposed to be making hopefully the, the D types life easier. And so having an S type who can take responsibility for the things they're responsible for makes the d-types life easier in my opinion at least for me well and if micromanagement is your, th- is your thing that's great but the point of this green flag is you want to have an s-type who understands that you're human and who can meet you reasonably where you're at who doesn't have an unrealistic expectation that you will be perfect or that you are all-knowing all-seeing you're not god even if you go by god as your title you're not a god you don't <laughs> see everything and your s-type should be able to understand that and should be working with you to help uphold the structures that you put into place. I will say, don't be a dick. Don't be like, I don't pay attention to anything you do. And unless you tell me that you didn't do something, I'm not going to notice. Because eventually that's going to erode trust well, yeah, and security. And yeah, and I'm not talking about like just not noticing protocols or forgetting rituals. Like things like that are really important. Um, but I think especially when you live together and it's 24-7 and it's all the little things throughout the day. I think it's pretty common that the D-type isn't going to be catching everything. Yeah, you got to have a partner, an S-type, who is willing to take their personal responsibility to that next level. And that's something that's a green flag to look for. And, of course, the red flag of this would be somebody who expects you to give them 100% undivided attention, who does not tell you when they miss something to see if you notice, to who is deliberately trying to fuck it up or to put strain on your system 
because they want to know what you do. That's a really red flag behavior or worse. They don't care what you do. They just don't want to do the task you gave them and they won't do it unless you enforce it. That is so disrespectful. Like if I were to be like, I'm not drinking my water because I don't want to and I'm not going to tell her and it's just going to be that way. And whenever she complains, she tells me about it. I'm going to be whiny and complaining and I'm going to resist and it's going to be an argument and that's just going to be how it is. It, that's a way of resisting that it, that kind of takes away the dominance and it, it subverts the dynamic and it's not respectful. So it's important to have a, a, an S-type who is able to be basically responsible and who, who respects the rules that you create. Um, we just went through a ton Why of red flags. always come back to drinking water? Because it's always water, man. <laughs> because every human on earth is dehydrated, basically. That's why. Um, we hope that we hit some useful red flags and green flags for you and that we gave you some good advice about how to find a submissive. Um, we could probably talk even longer about this, but to be quite honest, I think that an hour is plenty. Um, well, and, you know, we don't make lists of these before we start the podcast these are literally coming out as we think of them so there are probably some we missed that is okay hopefully we've given you some to think about well and let us know in the comments um if you're on our instagram or if you are leaving a review or if you want to just message us or join our discord um let us know if we did miss one and what you think because This is a really interesting conversation that's kind of important. I think it's just as important to know how to find a good D-type as it is to know how to find a good S-type. Yeah. You should have said that in reverse. (laughs) Oh, it's just as important to be able to find a good S-type as it is to be able to find a good D-type. Right before we leave, I wanted to say something to all the D-types out there. It's going to be a little heartfelt, okay? Don't be a douche. No, not that at all. But thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. What I wanted to say is that it's not your job to fix people. It's not your job to find S-types who are incapacitated or who need guidance and to take on the full burden of making their life better. That's not your job. Your job is not to be a superhero. It's not to be a white knight. Your job is to be a D-type and you should be having a partner that you're seeking and not somebody who basically becomes a dependent who cannot or will not take care of themselves. I've seen this go dark side with somebody who is very loving and very caring, who had a partner who basically blamed them for everything that went wrong, said you're a terrible D-type, completely destroyed their confidence, and then also refused to do the things that they needed to do to work on themselves as an S-type. Um, people don't often talk about relationship abuse from an S-type being abusive to a D-type, but it happens. It's really hard. It's really sad. And I just want D-types to know that. That, again, like, yes, your job is to lead but you are a person and you definitely need to have a partner who or partners who know that you're a person who care about you and who are there collaboratively to build something with you, not to have you carry them through the rest of their life. That's not your job. It's not your burden. Um, so we love you. D-types are wonderful. Good D-types are like just the angels on this earth. Um, I hope all of you have an amazing time finding S-types, finding submissives, finding bottoms. Um, and without further dudes, we're going to go ahead and do our ending credits here and uh, mention all of our team members. Uh, Miss Jen, name a team member. Let's go. Tussled. Oh, the whole thing? Don't you, just they said do. name a, you just said name them. Um, oh, Tussled writes the cheeky notes that you will find on our Instagram and Discord along with helping us research stuff. Uh, Sid is our tech advisor slash helper person. Um, and Lena helps us from abroad. <laughs> I was going to say, make a joke about 
Lena being abroad from abroad. Um, oh, who helps us? The broad from abroad. On the, the amazing Lena. <laughs> our, our house vampire who helps us with the discords. Um, and of course, pudding. Pudding. Always pudding. We got to shout out pudding. Um, pudding is, is not only a fantastic patron of ours, but also a friend. Um, and we appreciate you. And also, if you want to get a call out, just like pudding does every single episode. All you have to do is become a Call Me Kinkling. How do you do that? Why, join our Patreon, of course. Winkity wink. There's other perks, too, not just the call Oh, yeah, there's other perks. <laughs> there's other tiers as well. So if you haven't visited our Patreon yet, please do, because it's the only way right now that we make any income from this. Certain tiers get bloopers. Certain tiers get special uh, episodes, full episodes that the others do not. Um yeah. So if you're super jelly and you want what we just said, hop on over to the Patreon. And with that being said, we're going to end today's episode of K is for Kinky. We love you all and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Well, harmonize with me. Hold on. Ready? Bye. Bye. I said harmonize, not match my tone. Harmonize. Hey, you, you sing it. I'll harmonize with you. Bye. Bye. Good job. Just, um... <laughs> I think it was worth it for their listeners to know you don't know how to harmonize. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> we should just do a little meow, meow really fast. Ready? Do a meow, meow. Meow, 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 Don't drop yeah. the beat. I can't. <laughs> this is for the listeners. You'll get well, these. Well, if you want to sign up for Patreon, you get more fun content like that. <laughs> no, just do it one more time. Let's just do a little bit more. Oh my god, Fable's rolling around. He likes it. Okay, that's it. Fabel was into it.